What's up, guys, and welcome to the Fit and Ship Podcast, now brought to you by our sponsor, Four Horsemen Nutrition. Four Horsemen Nutrition, started by a former competitive powerlifter for competitive powerlifters, has a great-tasting whey protein with more nutrients and a better flavor than all the other protein powders out there. Creatine monohydrate for the gains and two great-tasting coffee flavors that will help you get through your workout. The coffee flavors are cinnamon and a French roast and graham cracker flavor and a medium roast. Give them a follow on Instagram at fourhorsemen underscore nutrition and get your orders in today. Now to the podcast. All right. It's been a while. We are live. I'm waiting now to get Carlos Reyes in here. This is going to be episode 24, 25-ish, somewhere around there. Um, Just waiting on Carlos to join in and we will get this thing going. Got a lot to talk about tonight. It's been a while since we did a podcast. so And with some crazy things going on with the USPA and all that, there's no one better to talk to right now than uh, getting Carlos in there and, and uh, figure out his take on what's going on. So as soon as he jumps in here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let him join in. Oh, shit. He just wrote that he'll, he'll be good to go in five minutes. It's all right. I'll just bullshit for five minutes until he gets his ass in here. What's going on, everybody? Ah, Carlos is in the house. All right. Let me get him in here. We'll get this thing started. Why isn't this working? Except... Unable to join. Why? Why are we doing this? I think we're good now. Ah, here we go. I think we're good. I can't see you. Ah, there we go. What's going What's on? What's up? How How's you doing, going, man? Good. Good. Let's get right into it here. What do you got for me, bro? So, for those that don't know, I just want to introduce you. This is Carlos Reyes. Elite Raw Lifter, 2066.8 total, correct? Yes. All right. We're about less than three weeks from Ghost Clash. Yes, sir. So how you feeling overall? I feel good now, but what does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anything, anything can happen in a couple of weeks. But, no, I feel pretty good. Uh, I've, I've made some adjustments to my training in the last six months that have really helped my recovery capacity a lot. The big one is just going to uh, – Three days a week. It's yep. helped so much. Usually by this point in prep, even on good preps, I'm like limping. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm totally broken. I <laughs> feel a lot better this time around. Just going to the reduced frequency so much better for me. How, how was that? Um, you know, is that something you've done in the past? Because, I mean, I feel like that would be a little bit of a mind game, like cutting down so much. You, it didn't worry you? So I did like three days a week when I was in college um, and, and early high school with sports and kind of just balancing between classes but I was four and five days a week five days a week for a really long time several years and the only reason I went to three days a week was I was doing the fire academy for Bridgeport so I mean I only had Saturdays and Sundays and then like Wednesdays I was getting up like three o'clock in the morning to train and I noticed that like even though training wasn't really my priority at the time I felt really good and really strong so I was like hmm maybe there's something to this yeah 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 because like I was saying previously Previously, you know, normally during preps, I've had an issue the last couple, even though the result has been good, where it's like four weeks out, I'm really strong, then all of a sudden things start blowing up. Yeah, yeah. So 
I think that, you know, that extra frequency was just me peaking too early and also just kind of with the demands of life. My life is much different now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. For sure, for sure. So my training age is higher. Recovery capacity is just not the same, no matter how much cardio you do, no matter how well you eat. So you have to make adjustments while you go through different phases of your training career. And, and that was one I think I needed. For sure. And I found it kind of by accident. You know, like I said, if it wasn't for that uh, recruit detail in the fall, Man, I don't know if I would ever drop down to three yeah. days a week. I didn't. I didn't. I did so well in the high frequency that I, I didn't think that was ever an option for me. Well, I mean, that's something I was going to talk about. I mean, how how has your um, one of the questions I wrote down was like, how has your outlook and your approach to training changed with like such a demanding career, and now that you have such a a rewarding career, like you're someone that I see that really enjoys what he does. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And you put career first over you know, lifting and everything else, as you yes. should, you yes. know what I mean? Yes, but, for sure. But, now. but yeah. I mean, how, uh, you know, how has that changed? Is that why you compete? You know, I, I'm seeing now you compete more so just like once a year. Is that basically why? Or is that the battling of the injuries you were having? Or I think it's both. I think really all I can make time for is, is one time yeah. a year. Uh, before recent changes in my career, I was always taking a lot of classes at different times during the year, and it just never – I never really could do two preps, but also too, I think it was my old training style. Uh, I don't yeah, want to say old, yeah. kind, kind of, kind of very recently, you know, I get really strong. Then after the meets, I was blown up. And, and the thing that always goes on me is my left hip. Yeah. I spend four or five months rehabbing the hip and then four or five months coming back. And that's a year gone. You know, you add a prep into there. Yeah. So I really haven't been able to survive two preps. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, and that, and that says a lot because you're somebody that's, you know, super, super meticulous. Like I followed you for a long time and you you know your body probably better than 99% of the lifters out there. I mean, you track everything to a T, you eat, you eat immaculately, you, you, you track everything from, you know, I watched you track your blood pressure to your sleep to training temperatures. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and, and people, you know, I've talked to people that that go either way. Some people think it's too much, but you, you can't really argue the results of it. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, what would you, what would you say, um, what makes you so, you know, meticulous with all that stuff? You just have to be, to be at this level, man. You know, you start going to these meets like the American pro or ghost clash and dude, everybody's all business. You know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's yeah. eating. I'm nobody unique at these meets. Everybody is this styled in. So yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of just the way it goes. Um, even going back prior to my involvement in powerlifting, um, I trained with Derek Poundstone as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And it, obviously, this is when he was at his height, you know, going to world's strongest man, runner-up. He was Arnold Classic champion. Yep. The standard in that, that group was always really high. I mean, even being a novice teenager, uh, I wasn't accomplishing anything great at the time, but there were anywhere from – a couple to five or 10 pros at any time, multiple amateur national champions. So it was always just a high standard and it was always kind of related to me. Hey, listen, this doesn't just stop after the training session. Yeah. You know, you got to go home and be on top of your diet. You got to be on top of your sleep because this is the only way to get really good. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, you know, you got to consider yourself, you know, an elite athlete now. So in that sense, you got to fuel yourself like an elite athlete, you know, to stay at that level, maintain that level of success in, in yeah. the sport, you know? And just to do this type of training, like, I wouldn't be able to 
to survive if I was. <laughs> I'm, I'm held together with duct tape and bubble gum doing everything right. So yeah. what, if I was, what if I was skipping meals? What if I was not on top of other well, things? Exactly. I, I wouldn't be able to do it, you know? I mean, that's, um, and, and that's, that's not unique credit. to anybody at this level. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I, uh, the things that I've changed and gotten more serious with, I always credit you for because, you know, when I started, I've, I've told this story to you in the past, but when I started my first ever meet, you were the guy that weighed me in and, and I, I looked at, at this old lightning fitness and I looked at the numbers and I was like, I'll never catch this fucking guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, what do I have to do? And then I was like, all right. So I followed, all right, well, he eats like this and he does this. And I was like, to get to that level, you got to take everything a little more serious. It's not just going in and pounding the weights. You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt. The lifting, the training is the easy part. That's fun. Anything yeah, yeah. do that, you yeah. know? It's being consistent with a diet for six months, a year, you know. It's what you'll like do you outside don't have, of the gym. Yeah, and, like, if you don't have the reputation amongst your friends or family is like, oh, that's the guy that brings the Tupperware everywhere. <laughs> You're just not serious about diet, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I live and die by my Tupperware and my lunchbox. And, and, again, so does everybody else at this level. I'm not trying to say, oh, this is oh. me. I'm certainly not. Oh, no, no, I get yeah. it, yeah. This, this is just what everybody does at this level. And if you're not willing to do it, then you're not willing to, to stay at that level or get to that level. Right, yeah, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm willing to do anything, you know. Okay, you're willing to just... Until it's time. Yeah. yeah, you're willing to do an RPE-10, you're willing to run a big cycle, but are you willing to do the little stuff all the time and never miss? That's where, you know, that's really where it's made. Yep. So what, um, do you do you got goal numbers in mind at all for, for a ghost class? Or are you just kind of sticking to your, your normal, uh, you know, trying to chip away and, and just get PRs anywhere you can type... Two and a half kilo PR. So I know. Yeah. Really the singular goal is uh, a total PR. Mm -hmm. That's really it. I, I don't really care which how way I get it. Um, I constantly run through meat day scenarios in my head, you know, of course, yeah. good meats, average meats, bad meats. And I've kind of troubleshooted where if one or even two lifts is not going my way, how can I kind of like scam my way to a total PR exactly. in a worst case scenario? So that that's all that matters. The sport's about the time. I, I don't really care about individual. I've been lifts. playing the same game. Like, all right, well, if I if I don't get this this third squat, where can I make up for this? And you know, what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, you're right, trying right, to right. trying to put either worst case scenario, best case scenario. You're trying to put them all together. You know. Yeah, and and, and really, you know, the goal is to make lifts. So. I know some people have been critical about, oh, it's not all about going nine for nine. You know, you really don't want to miss lifts. Yeah. I mean, even if it's, of course, even if it's in the warm up room, you have to temper expectations based on how things are feeling. Uh, I'm always willing to kind of adjust my game plan. I, I tend to adjust down. I almost never adjust up. Yeah. Like the slightest little thing I feel off in the warm up room, not like in a head case sense, but yeah, you know, yeah. let me just knock it down to two and a half kilos just to kind of ease my concerns. To get the meat. Make the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into the meat and just make the bar move this much faster. Yep. Um, and build talk, the confidence. Right, yeah. You know, like you talk about building a total, especially at this level, you know, you've got to go minimum seven for nine. I mean, missing three lifts is going to be huge. How, yeah, how can you hit a goal total? Unless, unless you're one of like the super freaks that is so oh, much ahead of everybody else. with PRs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So like uh, Derek Thistleweight in my class, he's the former – all-time world record holder, yeah. he, he can go five for nine or four for nine and still hit a world record total because he's that much better than everybody yeah, else. Yeah. But most people cannot do that. So really my superseding goal over the total PR is just to make lifts, whatever yeah. that means. Uh, typically for me, that doesn't mean PRing on anything but a third. 
Yeah. Uh, my seconds are never PRs. So huh? now it's, it's, I have one big lift in me. So that's really it. Yeah. Uh, the, the first is to get in the meet and it's a confidence booster. And the second is kind of a barometer of how far can I push this to get you as close as you can to a PR. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like RPE rating, which is my train, which is what my training is based on. Yep. So a seven for me is like minimal or very little velocity loss. Mm -hmm. An eight or a nine, I'm experiencing some velocity loss, some positional changes. And then obviously a nine or 10 is like an all out. Yeah. Um, so I second, need, you're looking at like a 7.5 for a second and then. Maybe a little heavier. I want to experience some velocity loss and positional change with a second because Just depending. To know on, how you can handle it. Right. Yeah. Depending on how much speed I lose or how much those positions change, that will dictate how hard I push my third or how much I back off of my gotcha. third. So it's really not too much different from what I do in training. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I wanted to talk about like the start, you know, you were, you were talking about, um, you know, going from high school sport and then you started strongman very young. So yeah. what, how did this all start? Like what, what sports did you play in high school and how did you transition into strong? So the short of it was I played, I was not an athlete growing up. Uh, I was kind of the fat kid playing video games, not really active. I wanted to play football in high school. So I played pop Warner in eighth grade. I was the worst kid on the team by a mile. Really? Bull bullied, yeah. all that, yeah. And, but I, I liked football, so I was like, well, if I want to play in high school, I have to lift because I, I'm behind the curve with the, the technical aspects of the yeah. game. So I rode my, my bike, like, all summer to kind of lose the weight, and then I got a gym membership on my 13th birthday. And I think I was 16, I met a guy that trained with uh, Derek Poundstone at an animal event like the animal the supplement company yeah, was yeah. at powerhouse in new haven he's like oh i do strong man i train with this guy Derek poundstone and he's like maybe you should try it and i went up there and i was like holy shit like what the fuck is yeah. going on here yeah. Yeah, that day i still remember it in my head Derek was doing a 200 dumbbell for double digit reps he was deadlifting a car and i was hooked that was it like i was playing high school football at the time but like by my junior year i no longer cared about sports uh senior year i quit everything because I wanted to put all my stock into winning team nationals. Um, yeah. And that was it. You know, did strongman for five years. I ended up getting hurt uh, right after I got my pro card. And at the time, um, at kind of the peak of my strongman career, my training in the off season and even in early prep was honestly like a power lifter. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't doing a lot of like speed events. And it, I, I figured if I can get really statically strong, that's going to translate to the events. Yeah. So, so I was already training like a power lifter. Uh, did one meet, loved it, and then my second meet was Rum 7, which was like a groundbreaking raw meet at the time. Yep. And that was it. I was like, I like this a lot better than Strongman. And uh, I saw more longevity in it. Strongman's very hard on your body. Well, I yeah. Love it. I mean, Strongman, it, it's not as, uh, I'd, I'd say, technical. Obviously, you want to be technical, but I mean, yeah. a lot of times they sacrifice technique and form to just get these weights moving. You know? Yeah, there, there's some, you know, there's some events that you can really be a technician on, but others, you got to get strong in really odd positions. And yeah. I'm not saying you can't do that, you know. Oh, for sure. But like in strong, in strongman, everything's a deadlift, and I am not built for the conventional deadlift. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I always had a lot of low back and hip stuff going on. Um, yeah. And it was getting frustrating. And at the time, uh, I got my pro card and – once you got your pro card as a lightweight, that was kind of the end of the road. 
there really there was like pro nationals which was lame there wasn't the arnold like you see now there wasn't osg strongman's gotten so much better since i've left and i'm, I'm happy as a fan for everybody that's still involved um but i didn't really see anywhere to go because it was kind of all about the heavyweights yeah yeah um, but then I I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard that unless it was the top dogs on like the TV level, there's kind of like, you know, light, lightweights and, and light heavy and all that stuff. There wasn't as much. There was kind no. of a ceiling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. The guys at the lightweight and even at like the intermediate pro level, there's a lot of opportunity to do yeah. some really sick competitions. Um, but yeah, rum seven was it, man. Uh, that was when Dan green hit 2099 at 240, uh, 220 in sleeves. Uh, Milanichev hit the first thousand pound raw squat in many years. Uh, who else was there? Oak, Matt Wenning was there. It was just all the big, it was awesome. Yeah. And I felt like everybody had the spotlight there. It wasn't just the super heavyweights, you know, like Richard Hawthorne was in the one thirty twos and people were going nuts for him because he was pulling like six something as a one thirty two. Um, I felt like there's more of an equal opportunity for everybody, regardless of what your weight or gender was. So yeah. that was it. Well, I think that's me. the cool thing about the raw meets now. I mean, you're seeing some crazy things, even from the super, super late guys. And then the women, especially, you know what I mean? You see these oh, women that are squatting five, 600 pounds now raw, and it's just insanity, you know? The, the women are doing so much cooler shit than the men as a whole. Yes. I am way more of a fan of the women's side of powerlifting than men's powerlifting, honestly, especially like the tested, dude. Yeah. You watch like an IPF Worlds or a USAPL Nationals in, in the tested, they're all separated by like a kilo. Yeah, you were telling right? me that. It's like yeah, a chipping like, away, chipping yeah, away chip, at each other. Yeah, like you really don't see that in untested powerlifting. People kind of just go and do their thing. There's not really that tight level of competition, but, yeah. you know, IPF at IPF level or the USAPL level, you get like the common weight classes, so like 63 kilo, 67 kilo, dude, it's, there's like seven women that can win. It's amazing, yeah. you know, That's and, you know, men are doing some great things too. Don't get me wrong, but like the women are truly taking stuff in uncharted territory, like every month. Oh, for it's sure. Awesome. For yeah. sure. They're, they're really leading the sport right now. Um, what's your take on, um, you know, with everything, I don't want to say like winding down because I don't know where your career is per se as, as far as that goes. But, you know, what do you think you got left in you? Like what when can you say, all right, I'm good with this? Like, do you have certain goals that you could walk away from when you hit them? Or do you not even look that far in advance yet? I'm like real conflicted right now on that because <laughs> I always said 2100 and done. Yeah, because when I first got into raw power thing in 2013, uh, a 2000 total in any weight class with wraps, kind of like, eh, judging on the squat and a monolith was like rarefied air, dude. Like, there yeah. was very few people doing it. And the sports kind of come so far, now now, a bunch of people. Weight class has 200 of them. Right, right, right. <laughs> and now, and now in like the 242s uh, in sleeves walked out, the top 10 is over 2,100 and like half of them are natural. Yeah. So like, you know, if I can just get to that next 100 pound metric, mm -hmm. That's enough for me. Almost at twenty three hundred. I wish I was as, as good as you, brother. I wish I could, maybe if I could hook grip. Maybe if I had that thumbnail you got. <laughs> <laughs> I look, look um, at that number. Yeah. I look at that number, and I'm like, where the fuck can I get three hundred pounds from? You know what I mean? Like, what him and like 
Derek are doing is just so mind blowing. It's oh, yeah. crazy. I never thought starting 10 years ago that guys would be pulling a grand. Never. Oh. Uh, what I did showdown last year with Oak and, uh, Remember, he said to me, he's like, dude, you remember when 800-pound deadlift was, like, a big deal? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Like, like, everybody, when we started, like, pulling in the sevens, like, dude, you had some respect. Like, that was Now you see 18-year-old kids doing yeah. it at 180. Dude, I did the showdown last year, and, like, I mean, my opener I had to adjust down because I had an injury. But, like, I was, like, the second or third guy in the flight. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, I'm always <laughs> used to kind of going in the back, yeah, you yeah. know? The standard is just up here now. There had to be five, six guys over 800 in the class. Yeah. And then there was Jamal. Jamal was nine-something at that meet. Like, well, even at me at the American Pro, I was the first one in the flight for squat. And I was like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, like, you're at, you're at your peak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, damn, this is, this is, you know, I, look at the, I looked at the list, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm first. Like, now what? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I always said 2,100 and done. I'm not saying this is the meet that I'm going to hit 2,100. I don't like making those projections, but I feel like if I'm healthy and I hit what I'm supposed to do, I very well could be there. Uh, but the, the recent changes that I've made to training, especially like doing three days a week, especially like leaning more into the RPE style training and like being more specific, getting rid of a lot of like the junk volume kind of structure, my prep different. I'm like, I don't feel so beat down anymore. So I'm like, Oh, maybe I can get a couple more, you know, yeah. there's always a couple more, oh, but you know, life is changing. I'm having my, I'm having a son yes. in April and congratulations, thank by you. the way. I saw that. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and, and I have uh new roles and responsibilities at work. I'm, I'm a supervisor I'm responsible for not killing three guys every day. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's a, tr it's a tremendous amount of pressure, you know? Yeah. And, and every year I get a little more involved in work, a little more involved, a little more involved. So it gets, it gets harder, you know? Um, Vinny DeCenzo was one of my early mentors in powerlifting, always somebody I'd look up yeah. to. And he told me, he said, listen, when you're done, you'll just know. Like, you'll know. You'll know, yeah. He said that the last time that he was on the platform, you know, he just knew right there when he put that lift down, that was it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be that moment for me. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, you know. I do know my days are numbered. Like, I'm not doing this at 35. I'm not doing no? This. I start. no. I started well, you've been doing years old. But, yeah, for, you've been, yeah, you're almost 20 years in, you know. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fifteen years. Yeah, you know, and and and, and ten competing powerlifting, correct? Yeah, it'll be ten in powerlifting and five in strongman. Yeah. yeah, so uh, so I mean to say almost that's a long that's a long raw career if you look at the grand scheme of things. Right, 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 and and just from a longevity and health perspective, pushing. Yeah, and thirty-five into the forties, nah, dude. <laughs> well, and I don't think you—you never go and multiply, correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do it. No, it. no, no, no hate there, dude. It's just not something that interests me. Mm. Um, I am a really big single ply fan, like mm. IPF style single ply. Um, but to the, the amount of work, I say this out of respect, like the amount of work and relearning the lifts and well, it's I, like training it's a, it's a different sport it's it, it's like rugby and football yeah, yeah. right they both run up up and down the field and score points in one manner or another but other than involving a barbell and doing a squat bench and deadlift they could not be more different yeah. you know um yeah just and i like training on my own and kind of like training quick like training in my own zone i trained in cruise for years and it was great but i just like doing my own thing 
Uh, I know in gear, I mean, there's a few people that do it on their own, but, you know, it would involve getting up with a crew. Yeah. And especially and three, how crazy. Three-hour workouts and all that shit. Yeah, like, dude, my workouts already almost take three hours raw sometimes. Yeah. I've cut a lot of bullshit out, so, you know. I and especially with the stuff I got going in life now, I don't I don't see me having the I don't want to say time, but I'm not going to make the time, nor will I have the patience for that. Yeah. So, yeah. so now with with you know going back to your three days a week, yeah. um, I mean your career is, is obviously very active, but is there other things you're like you're only lifting three days a week, but are you still keeping up like uh, your cardio and, and stuff like that on your off days, or is everything just those three days a week and then the rest you're just kind of doing your everyday life uh so right now it's it's at least during this prep it's been lifting on three days a week and i've been doing the cardio on off gotcha. days. um it's just kind of where my training patience and interest is at right now like when i'm done lifting i'm kind of done yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for many years i've always done conditioning really hard right after lifting yeah. um but i like having the set focus and it gives me something to do on those days off i mean because four days off a week is kind well, of well that's what i mean like i was gonna i yeah. was thinking like how, what the hell do you do with the four days you know yeah i mean i'm usually working so two out of the seven days a week are full 24s in the firehouse and i usually pick up another gotcha. one so i usually average 72 hours a week in the firehouse so um i really only have like one full day at home where there's really nothing going on that like where there's also no training yeah um so, so i'll just make that day like a longer zone two day um so really low intensity cardio like heart rate between 115 and 130 uh some walks um and that's it gotcha uh, but the, the other thing i've done with my training that i think is really big uh that i would de definitely suggest more people get on top of is just trimming some of the junk accessory volume mm -hmm. so for a long time i was a volume head and it worked fucking great for me like lots of accessories, lots of variation. But like we were talking about, I was blown up half the year for the last several years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think heavy singles and like barbell squatting, barbell deadlifting, benching heavy gets a bad rap for racking up injuries with people. But I think it's a lot of the accessory volume that was doing it to me. Gotcha. Uh, I've gotten rid of a lot of that. And I think that's the, I think even more so than the frequency reduction, that's the number one thing why I feel so much better. This prep is I've cut, I'm just doing less. Now that you say, you know, I've cut down a lot on that too, going from eight to 10 accessories in one workout to, you know, four or five of the, the, the bread and butter accessories and really hitting them hard, but not, you know, there was a while where I was going through a full, you know, bodybuilding workout after my powerlifting stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I did that forever. And you giant, know, giant sets, super yeah. sets. Yeah. And it, that works when you're – it is too much. And and you could argue that works for, like, when you're building muscle, like when your your focus is hypertrophy. Yeah. But if you really look at it, like you look at some of the studies, if you're just training highly specific like a power lifter and you're getting a calorie surplus, you're going to put yeah. on muscle, right? Yeah. But for people like you and me who are settled into the weight class, I've been 242 for a while yeah. now. I, I do all this volume and all these hypertrophy phases – to stay in the same way yeah, so, and like, yeah, like for what i'm not even putting on any muscle doing this shit, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah like yeah my body comp improves a little bit you know and well exactly like i've been improving my body comp but then i noticed like my mains yeah. were kind of just staying put because i was putting so much focus on right. the extra stuff 
that I tried to, I kind of dropped it and went back to more main lift focus and then just those four, like a good four, maybe five hard accessories. You know what I mean? Right, right. So now on the extreme end of that, so I'm a big, big USAPL IPF lifter fan. You know, I know they get a lot of shit, right? But that's where I've gotten a lot, a lot of my inspiration for doing the RP style training, more the specific stuff, yep. more just sticking with the competition bars. You look at like the French team over there in uh, Francis. That sounds, but <laughs> dude, these these fucking people take like singles at nine or ten every day. Yep. No accessory work whatsoever. They get stronger. They but it's get working. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm not saying you know we should do that, right? If I would did that, I would blow up. Yeah. But it makes you think: Do I really need thirty sets of accessory work? Do I really need to be like doing leg extensions year rounds and like all this other stuff? You know. Uh, Leah Bavois is the, I think she's the strongest female in the world right now. And she's tested. Yep. She's a 63 kilo. So she's oh, like yes, yes. the real narrow squatter. Her knees like, yeah, 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 like her yeah, knees yeah. are touching, right? Yeah, yeah. Somebody asked her in a Q and a, like, what's your favorite assistance, assistance exercise for squat? And she says, I've never done anything but squat for legs. So yeah, gotta be I'm not saying it. you should only squat, but like, you know, if squat work, for you and safety bar works for you and maybe some leg press in the off season or like some lunges or whatever aren't, aren't all your bases covered like do you need six leg exercises throughout the week to, yeah do you got to go quad extensions ham curls rdls yeah. and, and don't get me wrong i love training that way it's oh, fun sure. i love sure. getting the pump right but you talk about producing results like just being better at your sport do you really need all that stuff yeah. i, I I, I tend to think no now, you know, that was, yeah. I, and I don't want to be sound like a hypocrite. I was doing all that stuff for years. That's what I mean. But I mean, well, the crazy thing with this sport, I mean, it, it's, it's always evolving, you know what I mean? Just look at how it's changed. I mean, you've been in it 10 years now, so you've seen it go from conjugate to now you see these guys doing, even you, SBD days and SB and, and B, like bench deadlift. And, you know, right. that wasn't a thought 10 years ago. You know oh, no. I mean? Yeah, no. It, you know, so I switched to a, I switched to a full body template like four or five years ago. And like, I never even thought you could like train your full body in a day. I was like, what well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course you can, you can train any way you want, you know, yeah, but everything, As all I mean, everything was so like concrete before. Yeah. Now, now yeah. all these different styles are coming out and, um, you know, they're working. Whereas people, you know, people swore by just one theory before, you know. Right, right. And we've, talk, and we've talked about it before, you know, getting away from conjugate, maybe trying something new and different, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, it, I, I'm not like a, I'm not like a conjugate hater. I think no. there's ways it can be done right, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but again, like, so if you are doing conjugate, like a, a way that I would do conjugate if I was doing conjugate is like, how much variation do you need? You yeah, know, yeah. like. If you have a comp bench, if you have a pin press or a board press, if you have a floor press, do you need anything else? Do you need to do, you know, reverse band, two board in the foam? No, yeah, probably yeah. not. You know, yeah, exactly. when there's people out there that only do comp bench and get better, you and know, it works. Yeah, yeah. And, and it works, you know, there's, so, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with that said, I mean, what do you think, where do you think raw is right now as a whole? Like the just the sport in general, like the raw lifting. Where you know, do you like where it's heading? Do you? Uh, what are the things you see that need to be changed? What do you, like? What do you see overall? I, I am.
am far less critical about like the state of the sport than I used to be. Uh, I know social media gets a bad rap for, you know, the TikTokers and influencers and this and that. And like, okay, yeah, it's annoying. Some of it, don't get me wrong. There is some bad information out there, but if you're a new person getting started, or if you're an advanced person trying to just sharpen your game and get exposed to new ideas, this is the best time to do it. You know, if you're seeing a lot of crap on social media that you don't like, that's probably your own fault for following the people you follow or, curating your explore page the way you do because there's yeah. so much good information oh, I know. And it's free information everywhere you know what i mean free yeah dude when i started training in, in 06 it was like, magazines I right started... yeah well <laughs> no so we we had message boards back then you know yeah. like so so when i did strongman there was a message board called marunde muscle and that was it like mm-hmm. there was no other place to get information and you would follow guys training logs for like years and like kind of ask them questions and that's it. But that's such a narrow sample size, you know, know, you'd have to go on page 65 of some obscure message board to find information and you're getting a very limited view. Whereas now, I mean, there's people that have uh, coaching courses and all sorts of different coaches out there, free informational stuff. Oh, for sure. There is so much information out there. And even if it's not all good, at least you're getting exposed. To well, exactly. It. You didn't have that. And then, and then you make your choice. Cause like, I mean, this sport, like we've, you know, what we've been saying for the last half hour, it's basically all trial and error stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we've all been, we've all tried a ton of different things, found what worked for us, found what didn't work for us. What works for right. you might not work for me and vice versa. So, I mean, just getting exposed to all these theories and ideas and being able to implement them, however you choose to implement them. Is, right. And I think thing. it's, I think it's good too, to just get around people that have different points of view than you. Yep. Uh, so I, I trained at Gleason's in 2016 to like 2018, you know, it was all USAPL gym. They were doing a lot more specific work, full body stuff, RP based stuff. That was totally foreign to me. I was never exposed to it. So yeah. if I never exposed myself to people outside of like a conjugate untested bubble, mm-hmm. I would have missed out on a lot of good stuff that I use now. For sure. For sure. I think it's, I think it's good to get around those people. Um, and also just not necessarily with the training, but like the sport as a whole, uh, especially with all this federation drama going on right now, I still think the sport is in the best place it's ever been. For sure. Uh, cause I was talking about rum seven, you know, this legendary raw meat and it was, don't get me wrong, but you know, it was, in a glorified high school gym and there was really no prize money. There was a very poor quality live stream. There wasn't that social media exposure. There wasn't the money behind it. You know, these meets now, Now the big money. Now you got an arena with a jumbotron and pyrotechnics. I was so jealous. Like that experience you you guys got at the American pro was crazy. And I've been doing the money meets for a while. They're just getting better and better and better. And, and and also going like to going to the USAPL, uh, the whole like digital jumbotron thing. That's like old news for them. You got to see some of these local meets that these mega promoters in the USAPL put on. Oh, I believe there's there's local meets putting up five ten grand in prize money. You know, it's yeah, yeah. You, you didn't you didn't see this yeah, years yeah. ago. And yeah. even like going back to the women's division. So like the women are the stars of the show. Where I was doing strawman in the early 2010s, it was like the same two chicks showing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was it. You know, that that division wasn't even barely there. Yeah. So, and now they're the leaders of the sport. So, as 
as much problems as there are, I think you got to acknowledge that there's a lot more good than bad. Oh, for, for sure. sure. I, I mean, in, in, in any sport and in any anything, you're going to find the bad apples. I mean, we see what's going on with police and, and, and everything. There's bad apples in everything. Everywhere. So everything. you can't let it ruin or spoil, you know, the sport as a whole because something went down. No, it's that. That's, that was something we've been having in discussion in, like amongst the USPA Connecticut staff, with all this going on. Yeah, is you know this isn't a powerlifting problem. This is a people problem. Yeah, this yeah. is anytime people organize together and make them. You're gonna find officially. Shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like even even my job. You know, I love my job. We have it's not a catchphrase. Every fireman says it's the best job in the world. You know, but there are certainly toxic aspects to our culture. And oh, yeah. things things that wear me down, but I'm not going to run into a difficulty and be like, oh, I need to find a new job. Exactly. No, yeah. you know? Or, oh, this job sucks. No, it's still the best job in the world, and I still want to work here. But, you know, you can make reforms in other ways other than just saying just I get it or burning an institution. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. so now that we're on topic, do you want to get into this USPA thing? Or do you want to <laughs> kind of stay a little, uh, a little safe? I can just give my opinion on it as a – uh, athlete, I am just a state referee in terms of the, the USPA Connecticut. We have new leadership. The new leadership is awesome. So I'm not trying to comment on anything we're doing as an organization or like make an official stance for us. Uh, we're kind of just waiting and seeing how this all plays out. We have time on our side because uh, we don't have a meet, I think, till August. Our two meets are August and November. So we're going to see how things play out but in terms of how the national office has been handling this thing um they cannot have handled this any worse yeah. it's insane <laughs> it's insane um but but there are people still left within the organization that are really trying to turn this thing around um i'm not saying that it's going to work who knows yeah. you know well, um, sure. i mean that's why i treaded like I, I i wanted to make posts at first but then i said look I know a lot of good people that are involved too. You know what I mean? And yes. I, you, don't, you don't want to box everybody in. You know what I mean? Right. You know, right. Even, so even like, uh, even let's say, you know, you train at lightning and let's say something went down at lightning. That doesn't mean every, you know what I mean? Like you, no, you can't just, no. box, you can't box everybody by just some bad apples. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This, this was an issue with shitheads in the national office, you know, in terms of what we do on a local level. And this is something we've agreed with as kind of completely a, a, separate. It has nothing to do with us. Yeah. You know, it has nothing to do with us. However, that doesn't mean we sign off on the behavior and endorse it or say, oh, there's nothing to change. Of course. You know, um, but yeah, we're going to kind of see how things play out. But especially like if we talked last week, the conversation I would add to then is going to be so much different than now. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> what's going on in the last couple of days, um, USPA has lost some very heavy hitter promoters. Oh, I believe it. Um, I believe it. I don't. I, they're going to be a shell of themselves, honestly. Um, it's, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't see how, I don't see how this is going to play, play out positively um, and have it remain to be the organization that it was. Um, but as bad as this stuff that is going on that's happened and as bad as it's been handled, it is a good thing that it came up and was exposed and was brought to light. Because this isn't just a USA, you know, USPA problem. This is an every federation problem. This, oh, is, a sure. it, this is a humanity problem. Yep. You know, so like WRPF has capitalized on this tremendously. And I'm not hating. Yeah. I mean, shit, why wouldn't you do the same thing? 
But it also gives, um, but they, gives all these federations an opportunity to kind of do the same if they hear or if they're hearing things. Time to clean house and, and get new representation. You know, right? You, and, know? you know, like like the things with the background checks and that's been an issue with USPA. Other federations are like, we better start. Yeah, we doing better do this, this. You know, we better vet our shit well, up. You know? Yeah. Was anybody doing this before this came up? Probably not. Uh, probably yeah. not. You know? Well, you know, probably not. So yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. You know. Uh, this sport is not just all men with plain beanies and, you know, 242 and above and beards now, you know, uh, our women take up more than half of our meets. We have children lifting. We have children in the crowd. Yep. Uh, this sport is for everybody. So we have to make it a safe place for everybody. It can't just be, oh, we're all, you know, society, these misfit toys and like whatever goes on here is kind of the boys club. No. Yeah, not anymore. That's not that's not how we grow the sport. You know, like if you like seeing these meets like Ghost Clash where there's real sponsors at real venues with money involved, and, and we're just scratching the surface with potential. Yep. Uh, wait, wait till you see uh, Sheffield this year. I don't know if you've heard about Sheffield with the the IPF. It's going to be the biggest money meet in history for the tested, yeah. a quarter of a million dollars. You know, wow. you want to get quarter of a million, half a million dollar day payouts like uh, CrossFit has. You're not going to do this with some of the institutions no. and systems that have been in place for the last few decades. No, know? everything, you know, everything's got to grow together, you know? Right. Right. You know, as the athletes grow and the potential of, you know, of what we can do as athletes, it all, the sport has to grow as a whole. You know what I mean? The federations have to grow. The sponsorships have to grow. Right. You know, every, everything, everything has to go along with it. You know? Right. Right. Right, right. We have to get better as a sport, not just in terms of like the performance exactly. value for the athletes, but just everything. Yep. If you want real money players to come in and throw some money around, you know, which they're kind of starting to do now, but I think we're not even scratching the surface yet. It's got to be a legit organization. You know, there's far beyond what anybody thought when they started a powerlifting federation in the well, 80s. You know? I'm sure now these, these guys that maybe were just looking into sponsoring these meets are now a little stepping back like, oh shit, maybe we... Uh... Maybe oh, yeah. we wait and see how things play out because maybe we do look like the misfit toys again. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And and you know what really got this whole thing moving with the USPA? It's not because like there was a on Instagram it was because sponsors were getting money. Oh, you know, money talks. Yeah. So yeah. that's 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 what makes it. That's what makes things happen. Unfortunately, as painful as it is for everybody. Yep. So going back to what we were saying, how you were mentioned in social media. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of bad information, too. Like, what do you what do you think about the, uh, like, the influx of not so much influencers, but, like, online coaches and people that do a meet or two and now they're coaches and, and stuff like that? I mean. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. So I actually have two clients right now, and it took me 15-plus years of competing to feel comfortable taking two clients. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it is a huge responsibility that so much goes into and it's not, you can't just give the clients a program that you're doing or that, you know, your boys are doing or have a generic one size fits all template for everybody and just yeah. make a living sitting at home on your laptop with, you know, it's, it's, I a think that's, what, that's what people are trying to do. They think it's a, a yeah. quick money grab. You know what I mean? They think it's easy money. You know? Yeah. And they think, they think coaching is far easier than it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's if you want to do it and produce actual elite athletes, it's a, it's much harder than 
I mean, anyone could go out there and, and we could get 20 clients right now that are going to get a 1,200 pound total. Right. That, you know what I mean? Not, not to shit on anyone's total, just saying in general, like anyone can produce that. But, right. but not every coach can go out there and just make a 2,000 pound lifter. You know what I mean? No, no. And, and that's something too, like you have to consider if you're trying to get in the coaching game is how many guys are going to be out there like Joey Flex where they just have nothing but a stable of the best lifters yeah. in the world. None, yeah. right? So if you're trying to make this a living, you have to learn how to train the soccer mom. You have to learn how to train the beginner yeah. and the intermediate yep. and maybe somebody like me that's kind of at the end of their rope. It's Those are vastly different topics and require different inputs and yeah. skill sets. So I mean, that's the only thing that made me feel comfortable is I started from just a regular training background and then an athletic training background. And I didn't want to train powerlifters at first because I felt so new and green to the sport. But then, you know, I, I learned a lot from, you know, being around Skiba and Hellbent and then like talking to guys like you and stuff where I finally felt comfortable taking on just more, more so the average clientele first. But my business grew on training the everyday, like you said, the soccer mom, the, the weight loss clients first. And then I started you know, high school athletes and became a strength and conditioning coach at the high school. And then that, that built that, but you have to start at that ground level and learn how to, you know, assess people's bodies and, and, um, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like they're, uh, yeah, getting people like getting people from the ground floor, but, you know, but like learning but how to coach more, that more so like anything. imbalances and, and stuff like that, that people can't, you can't just see as a as an online coach giving a cookie cutter program. No, you have to be, a, oh, yeah. uh, you know, corrective exercise stuff and and um, rehab rehab stuff. You know what I mean? You can't just I can't send the same program to twenty people and expect them all to just become an elite lifter. You know, what I, I, mean? I think what you mentioned there is important too. Like, uh, I have a very limited experience coaching people in person. You know, mostly been informal, but the only time it's been formal has been with the fire academy, but. Online coaching is harder than training somebody in person. If, so, if you want to, if you want to do it correctly and, and produce, yeah. it's, it's it's damn near impossible. Right. Yeah. So if you've never developed any of those soft skills and like how to look for things and do those types of things in person with real athletes in front of you, mm -hmm. especially athletes that need a lot of coaching, yeah. I don't know how you can do it for somebody on the other side of a screen. 500,000 well, miles away. I've, I've had this talk recently with a few of my athletes that I train strictly remotely. And, you know, they're sending me their numbers that they're doing or whatever. And I'm like, if you don't send me videos, at least video, I, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't coach you. I can't tell you if you're doing well or not. Right. Sure, you can tell me you hit your projected numbers for the, for the projected sets or rep scheme I gave you or whatever it may be. But I don't know if you're doing it efficiently I don't know, you know, if no, if, if oh, yeah, you, there's, there's a lot that you don't know unless you have more, tools you know, here. and at that point, I'm just programming, you know what I mean? So right. if you need me to break down your lifts and if I need to see progress in you or see if you're getting better or worse or at a stalemate, I really need you to, if I can't see you in person, you need to record for me and right. you need to be able to break these videos down together and, and go over this stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so the only two clients I have are like, you know, I, I do RP style training myself. So that's how I coach. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you don't know if you're an athlete, so they can fill out the paper and tell you, oh, yes, I did this, did that. Right. But do I have somebody 
somebody that chronically overshoots? Do I have somebody that chronically undershoots? It's hard to and teach RPE also. Right. Right. Yeah. And and that that's the other thing too. Like that's in, that's kind of an advanced skill. Um, if if they're doing one or the other, there's other there's things that I can do to troubleshoot it without just telling them be more accurate or that's not a seven or you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's different ways to program to accommodate for an overshooter or an undershooter or any, anything like that. Uh, but if I don't have a frame of reference to look at, whether it's video or really knowing the athlete, how yeah. do I know? I yeah, no you're just winging it. You know what I mean? Right. So, so now you're talking about taking video and all this stuff. So this isn't just sending somebody a, a program. Well, exactly. You know? There's a lot more man hours that go into it. So if you're brand new to coaching and you've never coached people, you're going to coach – you're going to take just 30 clients off the rip like that? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. And, yeah. and that, like, then you'll, those people get all this turnover. You know what I mean? They'll right. have 30 clients, and then, the, and then six months later, they have maybe two of those same clients, 30 right. clients. And, and then at that, point, and at that point, you're not doing right by your athletes or giving them a good exactly. service. You know? Like exactly. I was saying with coaching, co coaching is a sacred responsibility, man. People's safety is involved. And – and not just safety, but like they're investing trainings all my free time, dude. So yep. like if I'm working with a shitty coach, I'm just wasting all my free time and I'm wasting free time trying to get better at this activity that I really care about. And I'm not getting the results because my coach isn't up to par that that's for sure. That's personal now. That's it, personal. And it's kind you know? of like, you know, we both shared that post that Allison had put up, you know, yeah. it, it, it is a big responsibility aside from just aside from just you know that was based on more more so um you know abuse of power but you know as a coach it, that is a huge responsibility for someone you're taught you're dealing with you know people's health both physical and a lot to, a lot of times mental health yeah. you know what i mean and, and it's it, it's a power it's not something too you know thing to be taken for granted though you know what i mean it, no. and, and i don't think a lot of these young kids that just want to coach realize what really goes into it if you want to be a good reputable coach you know what i mean no there's there's a lot that goes into it especially if it's not your full-time job and it's kind of like a side hustle yeah uh i do not i don't advertise that i coach yeah. the two people that i coach are actually friends of mine mm -hmm. uh one works on the fire department one's a, a cop in new jersey yeah. um but i don't have the time to give more than those two guys right now, yeah. you know, a, a good quality program is something that I stand by. Yep. So if you got other things going on and you want to take on 20 clients and you have no experience, yeah. that's, that's a little selfish. You know, I don't, I don't think you're going to do a very good job unless you just are training somebody with a system or a cookie cutter template. Yeah. There's no yeah. way to personalize oh, of it. Course. You know? Of course. Um, so let's see, let's see what I got. I got a bunch of questions written down for you. Oh, okay. Uh, we talked about, oh, so I want to talk knee sleeves. I saw your post today. <laughs> so so how, how tight of a knee sleeve is too tight? It should take you – all right, so now they just upgraded the Instagram store to kind of go long, okay? It used to be 15 seconds. Yeah. It should take you the max length of that 15-second Instagram story to put on. That's it. So you should right? – you shouldn't need wrist wraps to throw inside and pull them up no. or, or any of the tricks, garbage no. bags or any no. of No, no, no. <laughs> I'm totally against that. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was ranting about it with Michael Greeno. He's a WRPF yeah. uh, ref, referee out in uh, Kansas or Missouri. 
He was a showdown referee, good, really fucking good referee, really good coach. And I agree with him. He's arguing. I'm wearing the inter sleeves, okay? You know, yeah. but if it takes you to slippers and – so I was at the gym the other day, and this dude had on the inter sleeves so tight that he actually had to, like, pull them down every set and then, like, had slippers back. on and then and then had, like, straps with the vice grips on them to pull them back up. Dude, it's not raw lifting at that point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> now, I don't want to be a raw purist. Okay? Yes. The way I kind of look at the divisions is sleeves is the least assisted mm-hmm. and multiply is the most assisted, yep. but we're all assisted in some way. Yes, you know? yes. If we're not but Navy we, D, we're all. Right. Yeah, yeah. But we start getting wild and crazy with these sleeves, and, like, now we're not really honoring the traditions of what's going on in the past. Well, I mean, you got you, know? a, you got a guy like, let's say Ray Williams size, trying to squeeze into a medium knee sleeve. It's don't, stupid. Don't tell me you're not getting something out of that, though. You know what I, I mean? I think you're getting something out of it, but also too, like, there's a limit. Like, so I'm wearing the Inzers. They take on ten seconds to put on a sleeve, right? But I'm wearing them for a reason because they feel nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see how going three sizes smaller is going to give me any more benefit than what I'm getting now. Except I don't ruin, get ruin your circulation. Right. Yeah. Ruin my circulation. And, and then like also too, like just from a pure lazy standpoint. So, you know, powerlifters that are like bulking have always worried about, oh, I don't want to do cardio. I don't want to take too many steps a day because that's going to like gas me for training. Okay. If you got to yank these sleeves up and down every set or like it takes 10, 15 minutes to get on. Wasted are you robbing? Yeah, you're wasting energy that you should be putting into your squat. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't like that. You know, I, I do least... like I do like though that you know, with the mention of like that old school mentality, I do like how the sport now isn't just super heavyweight, big belly. You know, you you, you go now, you look at the two forty two weight class, the top twenty guys all look like they can step on stage. The oh, they're all week. bodybuilders. You know yeah, what I mean? All bodybuilders. They're it's, huge. Yeah. It's insane. You know? And it, especially with raw lifting, that's why I kind of raise my eyebrow at it even more, right? Because the whole point of raw, especially the sleeves division, is to get the least amount of assistance yeah. out of something. So now yeah. we're trying to – I'm all for maximizing advantages to a point, but – But then at what point do the, those sleeves become wraps? And what point do your wraps become gear? And what's – you know? Right, yeah. Right, yeah, because that's the way I kind of look at wraps nowadays. It's like, you know, all right, so the raw with wraps is historically measured against how they used to wrap their knees in the 80s, which was an ace bandage. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so which now, is more just protective purposes. Right, right, yeah, but that really did nothing. That's yeah. probably more like what you're getting out of a sleeve nowadays. Yeah. But, I mean, guys are getting 150 pounds out of their wraps. Oh, I know. All day. I, I mean, I was. I know guys that are getting 200 out of their wraps. You sure, know? yeah. I was probably getting almost 100 when I was a rapper. I, I wish I sure. knew how to. I'm just so used to wraps at this point, but I probably get the minimal of 40, 50 pounds out of my wraps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody, you're going to get 50 pounds yeah. by accident. Yeah, you're going to get 50 pounds by accident. I need, but, I need to but, learn them better or just bring my ass back to sleeves. But Yeah. It's a technical skill. Um, you know, some people just get more out of them um, than others. Yeah. Like, like Chad Penson gets like fucking 200 pounds oh, yeah. out of his, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's really doing anything different between his two squats. But, you know, so now you start getting into like, this was the other kind of relating this to like the USPA issue. This was the other issue I had with like switching federations. So if we decide that this is 
dissociate from USPA. Now we go to a federation that allows three meter knee wraps. Yeah. Three meter knee wraps, dude, just wear briefs. You know, like, <laughs> come on. Like, this is crazy, you know. <laughs> How many revolutions are you going to get at three meter knee wraps? That's not – That's a 15 revolution. Yeah, yeah. And then if somebody that likes to bench in neoprene elbow sleeves, like, I can wear a three meter knee wrap but not wear elbow sleeves. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. assisted for one it, it's equipped lifting but only for one of the three lifts that's like yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. it's weird you might as well let us wear straps to deadlift at that point i'm saying dude <laughs> yeah like you know how far do you want to go you know <laughs> and, and like i'm a big i'm a big kabuki bar deadlift uh, kabuki deadlift bar hater me, you know me too. uh me too not because that the bar has more spring to it it's that the bar is longer it's longer yeah. right so it was a seven foot deadlift bar since forever, right? The Texas deadlift bar was the standard. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because somebody wanted to donate bars and make other people that not, are not the athletes some money, now we change the definition of the rules. Yeah, like yeah, these yeah. Are, well, then, can, it, then it starts changing the sport. And then the records don't mean anything anymore. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And, and I know people argue, like, I know a lot of the times in track and field – like, especially, like, in the 100-meter dash, I've come down to, like, equipment. And then, like, in swimming, you know, the guys were in the full body suits. So people want to say that this is the natural evolution of the sport, yeah. right? But raw lifting, raw lifting started getting big about when I started. So, like, that was the Lillibridge era. That was people saying, like, not to be a multiply hater, but, you know, multiplying equipment has gone so far and the lack of standards being upheld has gone so far that it no longer represents the sport historically speaking mm -hmm. so we want to get back to the yeah. roots yeah. so we got back to the roots for a little bit and then now we're kind of like slowly yeah, yeah. not getting back to well the i mean so when people say even, even in the multiply world now we see the unlimited you know with the band shirts right right you got, right. You got right. guys you guys guys that can't bench 500 raw benching a thousand pounds in, right. a, in a band shirt and it's like how far Crazy. are you gonna push this you know how far right and i've heard both sides of the argument i've heard people say that you know the band shirts are just a natural evolution of the sport because like early multiply there was like the denim shirts and then yeah. we got into the poly shirts so this is just the next step yeah. but then other people so like i listened to dave hoff's uh table talk and he was saying that you know there's been the gears kind of been the same in multiply for like 20 years now you know yeah. like like the canvas insert suit not the one with the sides but the the, the regular white canvas yeah, suit. Yeah. that's been around for 20 years yeah. you know like the, the the raid shirts have been around for a long time so there is a historical precedent even for multiple yeah, yeah. so we start changing the rules and yeah there's natural progression but like how far is too far before somebody well, exactly. Draw the line here? exactly you know what i mean and then and then and it's just like in any sport i mean all of a sudden records, a record book means nothing, you know, like they're like how they're talking about shortening the baseball season. You know what I mean? Like, yes, right. the baseball season may seem too long, but now records don't mean anything. If you go from playing 162 games and now you're playing 80 games, you know, right. Because the sport's been done that way for how you, long? You know, you know what I mean? A hundred years of, of records that are now null and void because the sport is completely different. You know, what if they started allowing aluminum bats in the majors? Like, exactly. If people like, are like, oh, you're going to see 100 home runs, runs a season. Fuck it. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah, it water it waters it down, you know. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a baseball guy, but I've heard at like the college level, there's a lot of debate with like we got to get rid of these. These are dangerous. Well, yeah. I mean, know? now they're going to kill people at this level because these kids are so big and strong now. You yeah. Know, if, you gave, if you gave a metal bat to someone like Barry Bonds, you'd have to put a net around the whole field because fans would just be at risk of getting killed. You know. <laughs> right, you right, know, right. You know, these guys are hitting the ball 115 miles an hour off wooden bats. And these aluminum bats can give you another 20, 30 miles an hour of pop. Right. You know? I think I think you can draw the same parallels between like, you know, raw with the sleeves. Like, are we getting too extreme with the sleeves? Even with the wraps, are we getting too extreme with the wraps? Now, now multiply versus unlimited. It's the same yeah. argument, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I really like with sleeves, this is something Greeno was talking about. Um, again, you're never going to see this rule change, uh, but uh, if I could start my own federation tomorrow which i wouldn't because it would be bad for the sport i think you want to work through institutions not start new ones yeah. but i would make a rule that like so you know when you break a, a state record like even the uspa meets they do like a, a pat down yeah, yeah. right like who gives a fuck you're not wearing briefs we know that right yeah. but i'd be like take your sleeve off by yourself yeah you know you need to be able to slide it on, and off off on your and own. put it on by yourself yep is that if that's usapl you, requires that correct i'm not sure Sure. I thought I saw. I thought someone said, you know, if there's a federation that requires you to be able to put on your sleeves by yourself with no equipment. Like, cause someone was telling me about how, like, Ray Williams, like, literally rolls his up like this big and like pulls it apart and puts it on, cause he's that oh. strong. But he wears like mediums on his size four X legs. Yeah, I, I know people do it. Like, I know, I know Jamal wears yeah. a medium, you know. Yeah. But he, he gets it on. I've never seen him. I don't know how they do that. I mean, yeah. I, you know. But uh, I'm not sure if that's a rule. And if it is a rule, I'm not certain that it's enforced. Gotcha. At least gotcha. I haven't heard. That gotcha. might, it's not my federation. I don't know. Um, but I think if we wanted to put a limit on, like, the sleeves, I think that's an awesome place. Yeah. I, I wish somebody would do it. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the sleeves are getting wild. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm wearing the Inzers, and they're awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you got to put a limit somewhere, bro. All right, are we ready for Instagram questions? Oh no! Yeah, yeah sure. How does it feel? <laughs> How does it feel to have a famous? Is it a GIF? Is it a GIF? A famous GIF in the Apple archives? <laughs> oh, that was from Rum Seven, actually. That was from Rum Seven. And your nose uh, was exploded good. and bled everywhere. Not good. <laughs> not good. Everybody was like, oh, everybody. So my nose used to bleed like that. It was even worse, like when I was in high school, yeah. dude. Uh, I used to get nosebleeds, not just from lifting, but like during the day, they'd be uncontrolled. They'd go for like 45 minutes. Really? Bad. Yeah. I never really got an answer as to why that was. So I had to cauterize the ones that didn't work, yeah. right? Um, my blood pressure was always good at the time, so it wasn't that. Yeah. Uh, I started donating blood shortly after that meet, and then it kind of just never happened again. Yeah, so too much blood floating around in you? Well, so I thought. I initially thought that, like, I might have, like, hematomacrosis, which is, like, just high red blood cell count, so that even though my blood pressure was good, uh, when I did the Valsalva maneuver and went under pressure, since there was so much solute in the blood, the acute spike in blood pressure was so high that maybe it was causing that. Yeah. But, I mean, I've gone long stretches between donations. I mean, sometimes, like, a year, and it, I, I don't get nosebleeds like that anymore. <laughs> But yeah, so in terms of how that GIF feels, uh, it's actually not that 
school. It sucks. Because <laughs> you know what everybody's thinking, you know, that guy's on 10 oh, grams, that guy's yeah, doing of coke or whatever. Like, no, dude, it wasn't yeah, that. Yeah. It wasn't that. Like, in high school, I was 14 years old and, like, used to squat in front of the mirror in, like, the weight room. Then I would have to have the spray bottle there, and like, dude, it would be covered by the end of the world. I mean, my my son just turned fifteen. He gets them. I've never had a nosebleed in my life, even being punched, getting hit with basketballs. I've never had one. My son just yeah. gets them just standing there. He'll just it'll just go. Oh yeah, and he's yeah, got yeah. he's got a cauterized too, and there's no answer. They don't know why it happens. Just just happens. Yeah. But they're, they'll be bad. Like sometimes, like pouring, like he got hit. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it was when I was uh, a young teenager. Was they they would go for so long that I'd be dizzy and like, dude, I'd be spitting up these clots like like this big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking sucked, man. <laughs> it sucked, but yeah, that wasn't that was not fun. That was not fun. So <laughs> another fucked up part of that was uh, so I blew a bunch of blood vessels out in my eye mm -hmm. after that as well. So like I go to I go to sit down and like the paramedic runs over. They had paramedics on staff. They're like, whoa, whoa you got to sit down, right? And they're, they're like getting all my information, like getting ready to almost transport me. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not, you're not taking me out of this meeting. I'm going to fight you or roll off the yeah. stretcher or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. But I was like, dude, I'm so dizzy. Like, can you just give me some oxygen or something? Like just to balance myself out. And then as he's putting the oxygen mask over my face, he's like, oh yeah, you know, if we give you any treatment, like we have to transport you. And I was like, yeah. eh, swerve. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ran right to the bathroom. Um, but I was like, seriously blind in my right eye until I unracked my third bench at that meeting. Wow. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. You don't want to be a GIF. No, it's not that cool. But no, yeah, no, everyone, it's not that cool. Every year, like, somebody will come up to me like, I, I think I saw you, you know, on, on this thing. And, like, before, uh, like, Instagram and all that, remember, like, E-Bombs World? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would come up on, like, E-Bombs World. It was on the front page of Reddit. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it, it's a... It's, <laughs> Not so like you're the nosebleed guy. You're the nosebleed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody talks about the squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Someone wants to know how much core specific work you do, and if you do, what are your go-tos? I don't do that much anymore, man. No. I really don't. Uh, so I used to do a lot, especially like when I first started working with Paul. Uh, we did a lot more like athletic-based stuff for work. So I would do like uh, suitcase carries. Uh, a lot of uh, rotational med ball work, stuff like that I really like. But now I really don't do too much because, again, I'm talking about just making my program more specific. Yep. So nowadays I just kind of like straight leg raises, um, GHR sit-ups, cable crunches. I, I, I really just don't like doing, like, the anti-flexion stuff. Like, I've done so many planks and, like, side planks in my life. I don't care. Yeah, yeah So yeah. I, I like doing more of the weighted stuff now. I think as long as you're doing some, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like doing more like the rotational med ball work in the off season. Kind of, it's just fun. It kind of makes you more athletic. It's not boring, like sitting there holding a plank for two minutes or whatever. Yeah, I'm just not doing plank no. planks anymore. I don't fucking get. <laughs> I've done too many of them. Not happening. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I do really now. I like doing more like weighted sit ups, weighted crunches, um, side bends, stuff like that. Really basic stuff. Um, I don't think, I think that's another thing in powerlifting that's kind of done or overemphasized a lot is like core strength, core stability. You know, that's how you don't get back pain. That's how you make your squat stronger, all this. But I mean, if I, you're doing your, if you're doing your compound movements technically sound, you're getting, I mean, you're, you're getting, getting your core, core work. 
you're getting your core work. Yeah. You need a little bit extra, but like when I say, you know, like three sets at the end of the workouts, probably all. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think you need to be doing it every day for five, five ten sets. Good, no, good. I don't think so. Good. I'm glad you said it because I want to cut down on mine too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna pretend that I don't skip it. Sometimes I do, <laughs> but uh. So this is a real good one. I liked this question a lot. Someone wrote, okay. when is it and when isn't it necessary or healthy to compare yourself to other lifters? I like that. Okay. I think it's good. I don't want to say compare yourself. I think it's good to make contact with other lifters and network to gain knowledge and information and draw inspiration, right? But like if I compare myself to Jamal, or uh, Derek, right? Derek is 22 years old. He's done two meets. And his second meet, he broke the world record, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I've been doing this for 15, almost 20 years. And, like, I'm never going to break a world record. Yeah, yeah. To be like, I suck, right, uh, when I, I compare myself to them, that's just non-productive, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but to look at some things that, like, those guys do with their training, not necessarily trying to, like, mimic their technique because their technique is very unique to yeah. them. Um, but just to draw inspiration, I think that's okay. I think it's good to have like healthy competition, but I don't like when people, even if you're at a novice or an intermediate level, like something I get when I meet intermediate lifters all the time is like, dude, you're so good. I suck. Yeah. I'm like, Why would you say that about yourself? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like just the fact that you're doing, if you go to the gym and deadlift or squat anything, even if it's 135, you're probably stronger than five than 95 or 90% of humans on the planet. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah. So, so, so give yourself more credit and then kind of just stay in your own lane competitively too like i do the same meets as jamal but like i don't compete with him yeah <laughs> he's on a whole different plane i'm kind of just well, a guest there that's what so, someone one of my clients asked me yesterday i mean how do you feel that you're going and you're going to compete with john hack and i was like i'm not i'm not competing with john hack no we're I'm the same competing. competition yes we're the same competition i'm, never competing I'm not competing with, with this guy no like, you know I mean? exactly he's an alien exactly you know what i mean right I'm, yeah. So yeah, in terms of in terms of comparison, like I don't like to compare myself to other lifters. I like to draw inspiration. I like to network. Mm -hmm. I like to talk shop. I love talking shop. But in terms of he's awesome and I suck, that's such a toxic mindset. I don't care what level you're yeah. at. You you should never you should be proud of what you've done and what you're capable of doing and what your goals are and make your appropriate goals for yourself, right. you know. Now, with that said, who are some of your favorite lifters right now to watch? I do like watching the Super Freaks like as, as, as much as, like, I can't fucking relate to them. You know what I mean? Um, but in terms of, like, lifters to watch, I mean, I, I like watching guys in my own weight class personally. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, I'm not competing with Jamal. I'm not competing with Derek. Uh, you know, Derek's going to be at this meet. But, like, uh, Dawson Windham. Dawson Windham's in my class. Like, he's a yeah. young dude. Like, Oh my God! Fuck! I just saw him yesterday. Bench like five forty, I think. Oh, he threw like, it, dude. His bench is blown up. Yeah. yeah, but you know, like that's a young guy that does everything right, and like you see the potential there. Yeah. Like he's great now, but you're like, oh man, he could be so much better in you know another five years. Yeah. Uh, Shane Hunt, I love watching. Um, and other than that, I mean, other than guys in my weight class, oh, um, who's Hassan? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, he's, he's I love insane. watching him too. His energy. He's insane. Yeah. I like his energy. It's not for me. It's not something I want yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but just in terms of like, because he's not just a squatter. I mean, he's got all three, bro. He's got oh, three. Yeah, yeah. He's got all three yeah. lifts. Um, 
but yeah, like his his squat technique is just fucking perfect. Man. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I like watching anybody that's a technician, yep. really. Um I think at this level too, especially with how far the sport's going, you really don't see like brute strength guys with horrendous ugly technique. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if they're lifting with a rounded back or like kind of an odd technique, it's still highly yeah. technical. Yeah. Um, but other like than hack, that, like hack, no, I mean, oh, hack, yeah, would, oh, I, I, just... I'd say he's probably of the elite guys, the least technical, but how can you argue the, he's technical within his technique that's built yeah. for him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like all of his, all of his lifts look the same. And like, so his deadlift, I was always like, oh, like he deadlifts with like a cat back. Like, you know, my, my opinion on rounded backs and, and deadlifts in general has changed a lot. And yeah. I don't really have a problem with it now. But actually watching that deadlift in person at the showdown, okay, it looks a little awkward. But if you actually look at it from the right angles, from the Perfect. side, dude, fucking everything's lined up perfect. Yep. You're like, whoa. <laughs> like if he did it any other way, like he wouldn't be able to lift as much as he can lift. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, anybody that's really highly technical, another another. I don't want to say a specific person, but I love watching the tested females in powerlifting. Like, you know, mm-hmm. telling you, watch, watch a USAPL Nationals or an IPF Worlds or like the, the Sheffield meet that's coming up. Yeah. The the precision they have and like they all go they all have for nine or nine for nine. Yep. They just, oh yeah. Yeah. At the tested level, I really like seeing just the difference in like, like the, the strategy in terms of attempt yep. selection. You don't see the strategy in our side no, sport, no, no. like 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 they do. You know, like every lift matters. Yeah. You know, they get into too like uh, seeing what another lifter puts in, and then like adjusting within like that time period. So actually, like if you if you spectate like an IPF or a USAPL event, there's like a a, a horde of coaches around the judging table doing last minute attempt changes and they're doing all the math. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. So I th- think that's really cool. That, yeah. So, so outside of my weight class tested, tested females. So now that, you know, this, this just came to mind, but someone like you that's been around the sport for so long and also is such a, a humble guy that, you know, you've always been open to giving advice and, and reach out to people and um, do people, that are on the opposite side of the spectrum, like a Derek or like a Garrett Fear. Do those people annoy you or bother you? Oh no, the I love Eric. Them. <laughs> <laughs> you like it? I love him. I love him. Yeah. So, so, so Derek plays a character. Oh, yeah. Right. Derek isn't yeah, like yeah. that person. Yeah, but. yeah. No, Derek, Derek plays a character, and it's fucking so, hilarious. <laughs> it, it used to irritate me, but it actually. I watch his and, stories all day long, and I just laugh at him. Oh him, yeah. Derek. And, and with Garrett, like I know Garrett personally, the only people that hate Garrett are people that have never met him. Exactly. <laughs> he is fucking awesome. Yeah. You might you might not like you might not like how brash he is or like you know certain aspects of him, but again, it, it's all it's all differences. You know. Yeah. Well, if that's what's funny is he'll be just like that in person, though. And, oh yeah. You know, I, when I finally met him at the pro, he was just the same person, but he was also cool as hell too. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, he's not out there to try to be a dick just to break break people's balls. He has a certain standard. He thinks he wants the sport to be held to, and he he stands by it, his opinion and whatever. Yeah. You know, well, I watched him tell that. Andrew. I watched him tell Andrew House right to his face what he thought about his lift. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> and then he got thrown across yeah, the room, and then he. But, he, took it like a man. It. he doesn't yeah. care though. You know what I mean? No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but you know, there uh, Garrett is a huge fan of powerlifting, and he's 
telling people a lot of this stuff, it's not because he thinks they suck. It's because he sees the potential there. Mm-hmm. So, like, Phil Herndon's a great example, right? So, Phil's had a lot of controversial squats. You yeah. know what I mean? But, like, Phil's one of those guys. A lot of people that squat high, like, don't have the strength to take it that extra inch. Yeah. Phil does. Oh, you yeah. Know? So, he's like, dude, just take it the extra inch. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Phil has many times in the past taken it the extra inch, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's amazing. Well, I love, so, I love how he, you know – People broke his balls for a while saying he couldn't do it in sleeves, and then he went and broke it in sleeves. You know what I mean? And then, oh, and I, I, I hope Phil stays in sleeves. I love his squats so much better yeah. than sleeves. Because he fucking nails the depth oh, yeah. in sleeves. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. my God. And now he's going 275, so I'm looking forward to seeing you know, how I'm big so, he goes. I'm so glad he's not in the class. <laughs> he, was originally, he was originally signed up for 242, and I was like, oh, no. I know. When the, he told me he was going 275, I was like, stay there. Stay there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I haven't met him yet, but you can tell, like, his frame, he can really fill out that class. Oh, he's yeah. definitely not a 242. He was a big 242. He's tall. He he has room to grow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like uh, like Shane Hunt. So, Shane, I think, initially was a, a 242. But he, he can be a full – he's filling out 275 now, and, like, we're just scratching the surface of his potential, too. He's, I think, he's I think Derek will eventually be a 275 guy. Oh yeah, he's a big um, guy. Yeah, he's he's over two fifty, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, someone asked, when are you going to do the garage gym tour? So, if I do the garage gym tour, the problem is it's just like it's really small. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure to how to like frame the camera to like get everything. There's really not much in there. So, I have a eighty inch tall three by three rep rack. So that's like a, a one of the rogue racks, just kind of a knockoff. I got a uh, lap pull-down low row attachment on it. I have a set of adjustable dumbbells, two benches, a whole host of cable attachments, and a prime stack. That's it. And then for cardio, nobody wants to see that. I got a treadmill, bike, rower, spear, tip. You know, like, there's not too much to look at. Um, But the garage gym has been sweet, man. Uh, I do all my training pretty much at Lightning now, uh, but when it was was the summer and it was like all right well my garage is 68 degrees all year and lightning's like 90 you know (laughs) i'm just gonna stay here it's nice when i have to use it it's nice when i have to use it but even though i am like a lone wolf i like going to lightning and being in the environment that kid um i don't i don't know his name i only know his instagram but i think it's like plane airplane boat or something like that the the deadlifter tyler insane insane that dude, dude, I'm telling you, he is just getting. Oh, I know. Oh, I yeah. saw his deadlift at up at a uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. Insane. He's got the deadlift. He, he's he's working on and he's getting a lot better at the squat and bench. Yeah. But he's gonna be a full full two seventy five one day. Watch out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. I'm telling you, he he's he's real dialed in on all the other stuff too, and like just his frame, dude. He's fucking. Oh, he's, he's, She's huge. I was watching you guys deadlift together, and I was like, where did this kid come from? Like, because he just kind of, like, came onto the scene with, like, an 800-pound deadlift, and we were like, who is this? Where? Modern, modern, modern power thing nowadays, you know, nobody's safe, you know? Just like, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know the kid Moody, too, right? Yeah, 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 Moody, you know, yep. He's coming out with, like, a 560-pound bench, and you're just like, you're like, all right. like Never heard of you. Yeah, yeah it's no. like, where's the... I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy for you, but I'm like, God yeah. damn, you know, like people trained 20 years for this. And here you are. Wow. What I mean, you know, yeah. I think that's, you know, an, another good thing is 
as much as we should talk social media, as much as we think it's a problem, more people are getting exposed to this. So you're getting those genetic outliers that would have never found the sport if it wasn't for social media. And that, that are just and that walking in able, now. And that, that and being able to do things like this and, and connect with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and nowadays, you know, you can walk in with Gym Light Lightning Fitness that's built for this. You don't have to start in the edge. Exactly. You can, you can walk in a Lightning Fitness and get hooked up with a top-tier coach right away. Yep. Like, you're starting with all the advantages from day one. You don't have to go through any of the growing pains that a lot of us had to do for five, ten years, not knowing how to really do anything. You know, and just other than just working hard. So. With that said, too, um, you know, I know you train with Paul. With with being as educated as you are, with not only the sport but like your own body, let's say, how much how much of it is like collaborative training versus? It's know, a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very collaborative. So the the reason why I like. Paul Paul, and the reason why I've stuck with him for so long, it's not just because we're best friends or, you know, anything like that is he was my training partner from college. Yeah. So if there's anybody that knows like what a good lift looks like for me, what a bad lift looks like for me, how things are supposed to move, yeah. how to identify when things are starting to go haywire. So he's, he's seen you for 10 years. He's seen me train, so he train for 10 years. He knows everything. Yeah. yeah. He knows everything. He, so uh, all I really do is just tell him like, how I'm feeling and stick to the plan and that's it. But I, I basically tell him he steers the ship, but I tell him where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's very much collaborative. Like if something comes up, I say, Hey, this is the issue I'm having. This is what I'm thinking about doing. What, are, what do you think? Your thoughts? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he usually agrees. And he just basically sets the parameters on what I said. Yeah. And I so think it, that's, it, that's important to have that relationship. I kind of have developed that relationship more recently with Laura, who coaches me, Laura Phelps. And yep. we text and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about changing this to this. What, What is your thought process on why you have me doing it? Mm -hmm. What is your thought on me doing it this way? Where can we meet in the middle? And then we kind of, you know, combine ideas and decide what would be the best. You know what I mean? Like yeah, how, I, I, how, how you and I have talked about after my last prep about limiting the reverse band type stuff. So I said, Hey, right. I know you like this. So what I'm thinking about doing is cutting that band percentage in half. So if you're giving me red minis, I'm going micros. If you're giving right. me light bands, I'm going minis. If you're giving right. me averages, I'm going to monster mini. You know what I mean? Right. But at least you have that conversation and say, agree, disagree. And if you disagree, why? Versus just doing it. Exactly, I mean? exactly. I will never just do it without asking her. Right. And if she says, no, I really want you to do it for this reason, I go and do it. But, right. But we've been on the same page 99% of the time where I said, look, I need more work out of the hole. The reverse fans might be hurting me. Like, let's stop loading 800 plus on when I'm not getting 800 pounds in the hole. You know what I mean? And, and, and she's good. Like, I like you know, that. And she's like, like, you know, okay, and we cut out all reverse band squatting. I mean, I threw on a micro band. Nice. I like yeah. it. Good. <laughs> so I, I threw on a micro band to take my potential third attempt as, like, more of a just a confidence builder. But other than that, I haven't touched a reverse band squat this whole prep, you know. Oh, I love so, it. I love it. And that yes, was because okay. of you, too. So thank you. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I think coaching should be collaborative, especially, like, when you are working with a higher level athlete, like, you know, 
we didn't just get, get here by accident. You know, like yep. we know what we're doing. We kind of just need to be steered, yep. you know. Um, so I, I think it's good to have somebody that isn't just, this is my system, do what I say, or else don't question me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I think having a coach that knows you really well, that can push you to do some of the things that they want to do is a great thing. So like with Paul, with my past training, it's always been very submax, submax. I tend to be too conservative. Yep. And and Paul pushes me hard. Yeah. Like I, I'll send them a video and be like, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a seven or a seven and a half or like, I felt like this was a little bit, uh, you know, my technique was a little bit off here. Like, what do you think? And he's like, just load the bar. It looks good. And like, he's not just saying that to be a jerk, but like, that's what I yeah, need. Yeah. Um, that's something I've changed in the last couple of preps is like just getting more aggressive in the gym yep. uh, because RPE is a range. Yep. So like, you know, a seven for me on a squat just for a single can be as low as 650 or it can be 730. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so in the past, I've always stayed in the pocket, like 650, 660, 670, because I just thought that, you know, lifting lighter, saving for meat day, right? Whereas Paul is like, no, I want you pushing at those top ends of the RPE range because technique is specific to the load. Yep. So you can move 650, like, so, like for deadlift for me. Deadlift has been the lift that I've trained the heaviest and the most uh, specific the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. Like for submax deadlifts, I can pull 670 in like seven different positions and it looks the yep. same, right? But once I get seven something on the bar, if I don't move it in this exact one position, You're it's going to be dog shit. Yep. So I need that exposure to those ranges of load because I can't simulate it doing anything else other than oh, heavy single. Doing it, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, having a coach like that has really pushed me to kind of get out of my comfort zone even though it is collaborative, I need to hear that difference in opinion. Yeah. Uh, a big thing over the years that Paul's pushed too is getting on the straight bar more. Yep. So I always had like elbow problems in the past. So I would spend, you know, six months on the safety bar, then four months on the duffalo bar. Mm-hmm. And then he was kind of like, hey, do you think your shoulder mobility is so bad? Because like you don't do enough stretches or because you never force yourself to be in that straight bar position and get used yeah. to it. So that's actually how we built my shoulder mobility to tolerate the straight bar is more straight, doing the straight, straight bar. bar more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, whereas if I was just stuck in my ways and I had a coach that was always appeasing me and never challenged me, I would have never done that, you know. Mobility would have got worse and worse and worse, you know. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, when you're talking about building mobility for the straight bar squat, you can only do so many band stretches and warm-ups. Yeah. It's not the same as getting under that load and, like, forcing yourself to get there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've actually had to change my grip over the last, especially the last six months. Uh, not necessarily like going low bar. I thought I was going low bar or mid bar, but I really haven't. It's still high bar. Yeah. Um, but I've changed my grip quite a bit, and it's made it so that I can tolerate doing straight bar much yeah. better. And not just tolerate it in training, but my position under a eight or a nine single is much better now yeah. from that repeated exposure. Yeah. How- how much would you say as far as RPE goes, you know, I've been talking about this a lot with people. It, it's, it's just as important for your, you know, to give your feedback on how it felt, but also to see the video. Of it. I have to see the video. The, how it felt means basically nothing. That's what yeah. I mean. Cause I, I, you know, I've gotten under loads where I'm like, all right, that was a nine. And then I look and it was a six. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, so every, honestly, 
literally every squat I take over like 600 pounds feels like shit slow. They all do. They all do. But I look at the video, like I really don't like being the tripod guy in the gym. It's a pain in the ass. No, but you have to be. I have the tripod up every session. Every session. I got got the iPhone with like the extra amount of storage because I have to go back too. So I'm actually looking at now past preps and like seeing how things moved and comparing it to now. And not just going by data off the spreadsheet, but actually seeing it. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, for sure. I am making progress. You know? And that's why, you know, people say to me, like, why do you record so much? But I use my Instagram as like my training diary. You know what I yeah. mean? So when I when I have a weird variation in this prep, I go to my last prep and say, all right, well, what did I hit last prep with this same variation? Mm-hmm. I go straight to Instagram and I scroll to those dates yep. and I find it. Whereas and, I wouldn't and, be able and to how did it move? Exactly. And how did it move? And like, what else was going on in my life at that time? Yep. You know, it's good to make, make those comparisons. But yeah, RPE for me is honestly determined all off video. Yeah, it's got to be. I cannot tell. I tell any, people all the time, it's, it's more, it's more, I think more video than how it feels because I've, I've been like, oh, this moves, this is moving slow. And everyone's like, no, like, look at the video, watch the video, you know? Right, yeah. And, and that's where Paul really comes into play for me, too, because, like, Paul knows what, like, all my bar speeds are. So, like, my squat, like, especially so the squat I put up today, like, I felt like it moved kind of slow, right? I really wasn't happy with it. But I know that I'm not actually a super dynamic squatter, mm-hmm. especially my eccentric. I really have to tempo it to not come out of yeah. position. So if I go based on how I feel, I'm basically doing a tempo tempo squat it feels hard it feels like shit yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know yeah, yeah the whole uh, but, feels horrible. right but like if you look at it on video objectively right and then i start comparing it to like how my thirds and or seconds actually move the speed was fine yeah so so i it was rated appropriately and it was in line with the goals for today yeah, good. but just just going based on how i felt like i felt terrible i don't know they all feel terrible <laughs> they all feel <laughs> squatting yeah, sucks it feels terrible it's powerlifting. It's not supposed to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Last question I got for you. Yeah. If you walked in the gym right now, no sleeves, no belt, no wrist wraps, what numbers can you hit comfortably? I don't know. Complete, complete <laughs> um, naked knee raw, original raw. I, I've this is this is going way back. So another turn, another thing with like making my training more specific is, so I used to be beltless all the time. Like 90 plus percent of the year, like through strongman, through powerlifting, everything, everything was all beltless because that's the way I liked. I hate belts, yeah, yeah. right? The, the last year or so, I actually put on the belt all the time and like use it very early. Like, especially now that I'm later in prep, could I put it on a three place, yeah, yeah. right? Because um, wearing the belt is a skill. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't wearing it. And then I'd get like, you know, eight weeks out and then I put the belt on and I suck for. A month and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so that's a problem. Uh, but um, so I feel like belt actually helps the least on deadlift. I pulled seven seventy beltless. Uh, was it April? It was during COVID, April twenty twenty. But that was with pound plates, so that's kind of cheatery. <laughs> but I pulled seven seventy beltless. I know I've squatted seven hundred beltless, no sleeves, more than once. And then bench, I don't wear wrist. Yeah, I don't. So I don't want to say 2K, but right under it. I did the, I did the garage gym meet in uh, 2020. I did that all beltless, and I told like 1980 or 1990 oh, something like that. 
So well, there's the somewhere, yeah. So somewhere around there, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you get something out of a belt. You certainly get something out of even SBD sleeves, but especially injury sleeves. So yeah, yeah it all, it, yeah. it all, it all plays a factor. Um, I recently just started wearing a belt benching, and not even for assistance. Just it's almost just like a physical cue for me, just to keep my, just to yeah. keep my belly big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I flatten out. I flatten out a lot. So okay. I literally wear it. I don't even wear it tight. I just wear it as a all right reminder to press into it. Like I, I know it, it technically probably gives you nothing for a bench. It's just there as like a, instead of a verbal cue, it's just something I feel it's and I could just, valid. You know, it, it's valid. Uh, Dawson wears a belt for the same reason. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I first bench five hundred, I actually got like a bench belt, like like what multiply lifters have. Yeah, like the fit down. Yeah, yeah, I wore that for quite a while and, and i liked it um i just no longer needed yeah. it um but if you need Which, it i mean i, I figure I once i get the thing. muscle memory down more where i just stay in that position i won't need it i literally yeah. just use it as like a cue without having to hear it you know what i mean yeah i just no, I, I just feel it there or just press into it you know yeah i, I think it's valid yeah. i think it's valid um if you need to use something then use it um i wore a mouth guard for years and now i don't yeah. I thought it made my brace better, and then after a while, I was like, "Heck, you think it makes my brace look a little worse?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things I change. Wore, I wore it for a while too, and then I found myself almost focusing on it too much. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like grinding into it, and I was like, "I don't normally do that, so why am I doing it now?" Like, so I first got it because I was, um, I was doing this weird thing where I was like sliding like the tip of my tongue between my teeth when I was bracing. Yeah. So I was worried about like fucking chopping my yeah. tongue off. So, so, so I. I got it, and then I felt like it made my brace better for a while. But after a while, I actually felt like—I mean, I'm mostly nasally breathing when I'm bracing. But I felt like having something in my mouth, like it was obstructing the amount of air that I could take in. Yeah. So I just got rid of it, maybe in the last year. Yeah, I got rid of my. So I just felt like it was just more equipment that I just like to focus on. Like I need it's less more shit in the world. Yeah, I just need yeah. less to think about you know what i mean mm -hmm. like, why am i putting yeah. this thing in my mouth and then feeling it and biting it and you know fucking with it like it's a distraction yeah, yeah it's a distraction yeah. yeah um but yeah certain tools work for certain people at different times so. yeah so um before we wrap up you know what i like to do is just give open mic time um i always ask that you know you shout out what you want to shout out if any sponsors that you want to talk about on anything and then any advice for new guys and fans and people that follow you, so Ooh, I don't know. If, I don't know if I have too much. I'll, I'll, this, but, well, I'll, uh, I'll pass. I'll pass the mic to you, and okay. I'll let you go ahead. Uh, no, I just I, I only have one sponsor right now. I was with RP Strength for a while, but I'm not. No, nothing bad happens. But uh, just moved on. But I'm with Stronghouse Project now. Check out Stronghouse Project if you're looking for not super expensive sleeves, wraps, uh, more minimalist type stuff. They got great clothing line. Scott Miller has been very good to me. He's definitely a good sponsor. Um, the only advice I would have, so you can kind of relate this to, or shout out, uh, is, uh, you know, with all the stuff going on with the USPA drama and, like, powerlifting drama all the time, believe even powerlifting. Don't get so cynical and caught up in the drama between people that it jades you from... What the sport really is. What the sport really is about. The sport's about friends the sports about personal accomplishments the sports about feeling good there's always charity involved at the local level the sports about building up, you know 
Right. You know, like I'm honestly the biggest fan of powerlifting. Like what I see myself doing after I stop competing is just continue to be involved in like the local level. Dude, I love seeing these people that come and do our meets, like going for a 315 deadlift or like a two, 225 deadlift. Yeah, if it's a PR for them, it's a PR. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, they're not going to be serious powerlifters. They're probably going to do a couple meets and never do it again. Right. But forever they can say that like, Hey, did it. I got in front of a room of people and I was really nervous and I was wearing this uncomfortable thing. And I did this thing that was really hard that I thought I could never do. Yeah. And it, it carries over to other aspects of life, even if they never compete again. So yeah, yeah, just don't get caught up in the drama and negativity that you forget why you started. That's really it. I think, I think powerlifting kind of, kind of comes too much with drama and talking shit. Behind and, it. Yeah. And it, it if you get too wrapped up in it, you get jaded and you're kind of like, fuck the sport. And just remember why you started. Exactly. And it, it's all, it's all, and remember that it's not just you up there. It takes a village, you know, yep. e even though I train alone, I still rely on my coaches, my friends, my wife, my gym, uh, all the people that I draw inspiration from. So it's, it's not just you. It's, it's, it's a team effort. Um, but yeah, believe in powerlifting because even with all the stupid stuff going on, this is the best of sports ever been and we're just scratching the surface in 20 30 years is gonna be so much better oh for sure i don't know how i mean <laughs> you know for half some of the numbers that are getting hit right now but 2700 at 242 in 30 years I, uh, i'll throw up <laughs> <laughs> i'll throw up i don't know i don't think like the the all-time world records are gonna get that much crazier no. i think there's just gonna be more people doing crazy stuff yeah, yeah. like like i like i was saying at the beginning of the podcast like you know a 2,000-pound total with knee wraps and any weight class with a monolift with kind of like mass standards was a big deal. And now guys are doing it in the tested division under the most strict conditions at 198, at 181. Yep. Like, yeah, I think there'll be more people achieving, like, higher standards. But in terms of absolute numbers, I mean, I'm sure there's – farther we can go but oh, i don't know how much farther <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy out i don't there. <laughs> want to look back in, in 30 years and we're the new 1300 i don't want to do that <laughs> no i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna get no no i won't be that, like that. Yeah. um one question i forgot to ask when we were talking about yeah. you know how you, when you walk away how do you want to be remembered how do i want to be remembered i don't know i think i'll be forgotten about <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's funny. So when I was doing strongman, I definitely had an ego, man. It, it was kind of easy at the time to be a, a big fish in a small pond. And then, like, I remember I was at a show, like, a year later. I had just switched over to powerlifting. And, like, nobody knew who the fuck I was. It was the ego. Yeah. Hit? I wasn't, like, expecting to get my ass kicked. But, like, literally no one knew who I was. Yeah. It was a good – it was kind of a good reality check. Um, but in terms of how I want to be remembered, uh, I don't know. Um not a scumbag, <laughs> you know, as somebody that was always positive and, you know, uh, gave back in terms of free advice to others that I got, you know, uh, when I was training with Poundstone and all those guys over, God, almost 12 years ago now, it was all free advice, you know, it was no charge. Yeah. And that's how I learned it's almost the, everything. It was Vinny. people just, yeah. yes. Vinny yeah. down to hell bent now and it's just, spewing knowledge you know yeah I, I think that's really what it's about so if, if i can do a little bit of that at, at my level and have people remember that that's that's great um but something Vinny always said in terms of, oh this is good i should have started with this uh Vinny was talking about leg 
efficacy with me years ago. And he was like, nobody will remember what you lifted. They'll remember how you made, how you made them feel. So I hope, hope I made people feel positive and that I gave something back to the sport. I gave more back than I took. That's, yeah. that's how I'd like to be remembered. But uh, in terms of people remembering your numbers, nobody's going to give a shit. Right. How many people do you think have looked up your number or my number on open power thing other than you or me? Probably almost none. None. <laughs> none. Nobody cares. I like, Nobody to stay, cares. I like to stay a couple hundred, but probably one. <laughs> or, or people from people from your gym, maybe that's it. You know, yeah, from yeah, my gym. Yeah. That's it. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. Like Ed Cohn, right? If you know anybody that's actually met Ed in person, like if you've ever met Ed in person, nobody's like, oh my god, I met Ed Cohn. He's like still jacked at his age, and he was the greatest powerlifter of all time. What they always say about Ed Cohn is Ed Cohn is so yeah, nice. Yeah. That's what everybody says. And like I've seen Ed get excited for people lifting regular amounts of weight, and he's genuinely like yeah. pumped for them and is yeah. giving them advice. That's what people remember, and I think that's what we should focus on in powerlifting. It's not, it's not people that can just perform. It's people that give back and like make this the community what it is. Sure. All right, brother. It was fun. All right. Yeah, it was a good place to end. It was a good. We covered some good stuff, man. It was lovely talking to you. Well, it was good to have you. I hope we'll do it again. Yeah. And I'll I'll see you in about two weeks. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you want to get a deadlift session in before on some calibrated plates, let me yeah, know. Yeah, I might. I'm going to need uh, to do that. So I'll I'll uh, I'll shoot you a message outside of this, and we'll figure that out. Okay. Yeah. But if if not, I'll I'll see you in Miami, man. I'll see you somewhere a lot nicer and warmer than this. Yes, for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Good luck. All right. Take I'll care, man. Have a good night. Peace.